Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. Let's get into this last week of how to pray. Now, I said last week this was a two-part. We were supposed to be done last week. This was supposed to be a three-week series. And today, the beginning of September, was supposed to be uh, the beginning of our Missions Emphasis Month. And we'll kind of touch on that at the end of this sermon. But it just couldn't happen. We had to, we had to and I, I'm almost a little nervous about this particular sermon being how we end things. Has anybody ever prayed before and not gotten what they prayed for? I was like, oh, man, that's what we're going to talk about today? No. The big idea for this whole series, this whole, the two-part sermon was this. The scriptures teach us that we should develop a continuous and persistent cadence of prayer. We talked about the consistent cadence last week. Today I want to talk about the persistence in prayer. So persistent prayer, part of learning to pray persistently is praying in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me, let me unpack that for you. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we pray according to the nature, the character, and will of God. First John, in, in John 14, excuse me, in John 14, 13 through 14, Jesus gives us a broad invitation to pray and to ask our requests in his name. John, right here, John 14. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That is an incredible statement. Okay? That is, that is a statement that has caused a lot of problems because it's so big. It's such a big statement. What did he mean by that? Well, Go back to the definition of praying in the name of of Jesus. Praying according to the nature, the character, and the will of God. The phrase in Jesus' name is not some divine magical phrase or incantation that you insert at the close of your prayer to get whatever you want. In Jesus' name is not the Christian version of open sesame or abracadabra. It's not. Praying in Jesus' name means praying according to the nature, the character, and the will of God. 1 John 5, 14 says this. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So praying in the name of Jesus and in the will of Jesus are synonymous. So praying in Jesus' name is not the required closing of your prayers, but a way of praying for things 
that will honor and glorify God. The reality is that God does not say yes to every one of our prayers. Obviously, some prayers are selfish and not in alignment with the nature and the character and the will of God. However, why do many prayers seemingly go unanswered that appear to be in alignment with God's will? Like, you might say, yeah, I get this. I, I understand that you know, if I ask you know, for something that's against God's will, he's not going to give it to me. That would be selfish. But why, why do the things that I feel like are you know, right in line, right in line with the will of God, why, why are those not being answered? We all have stories of unanswered prayers, healing, reconciliation of relationships, financial needs, wayward children, etc. Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons for this. Let me just break a couple of these down for you, because I think there's a misunderstanding here that we need to kind of rectify. When it comes to our health, when it comes to our health, We often ask God to heal us, yet we don't take care of ourselves. Okay? We don't eat right. We don't get enough exercise. We don't get enough sleep. We put things into our bodies that are bad for us, and we get upset with God when we don't feel good, when we get sick. It's like... Praying over dinner, dear Lord, bless this triple cheeseburger with bacon on it. Make it good for my body. Change the reality of what I'm eating that is created to destroy me. Somehow, the molecular structure should change and make it broccoli. After it passes my palate. After. After. I think you see what I'm saying here. We, we, we have some responsibility for our health. We do. And we in the West are not great at that. All right? So, that, so yes, should we ask for God for help for, for our sick? Yes. But we have some responsibility to that as well. How about reconciliation of relationships? God, reconcile this relationship. God, reconcile this relationship. Okay, that's a really good prayer. The very definition of a relationship is that it includes at least two people. Two or more people, that's relationship. Though you may be right with God and ready to reconcile, the other person may never come to that place. You can't force people to reconcile, and God doesn't force people to get right with him. Do you see what I'm saying? Again, there's human intervention into that reality. We've got to be careful that we don't uh, assume that God is just going to change the will of somebody to answer our prayers. Okay? How about financial needs? Well, he's, I always heard this before, he's, the, he's got cattle on a thousand hills. When's the last time you asked for a cow? Who's got, you know, where's, where's the money? Show me the money. Let me just give you a, a wake-up call here. Most financial struggles don't happen overnight. 
They are at the end of a long line of bad financial decisions. Yet we so often want God to fix our money problems now. God, I did so many stupid things. Fix it now so that I can continue doing stupid things. We don't want to deal with the consequences of our bad choices. Therefore, we ask God to escape hatch us from a, a, life, a lifestyle that is not healthy. Okay? When it, uh, when it is not a money... See, the problem is it's, you, don't, you might not have a money problem. You have a you problem. You have a you problem. Never give somebody who's bad with money more money. That's the worst thing you can do for them. It's like giving a drug addict drugs. Never give somebody who is bad with money more money. Try to help them to develop the ability to, ma- to make and maintain money. So you have a you problem, and that takes longer to fix than a money problem. Okay? Now this is a touchy one. Wayward children. Wayward children. Again, there's a level of autonomy that limits God's intervention. People are like, whoa, did he just say that? Yes. God cannot contradict his own nature. If he gives somebody free will, he must allow them to exercise that free will. Okay? The only thing we can do is ask for forgiveness for any part we played in pushing them away or alienating them from the faith. That's a real thing. If your kids are wayward, it might be your fault, in part. So ask God to forgive you of that. And then maybe ask them to forgive you of that. Okay? That's what you can do. Then pray that God would put people in their path that will present the gospel to them in a way they can receive it. To bring healing to their wayward souls. God's desire is for your children your older children, your wayward children, to be in relationship with him. That's his desire. But he's not going to uh, circumvent their free will to answer your prayer. So there's, there's layers to this. I hope you can see that. It's not just as simple as just God. Even though the will and the desire of God is for all to be saved, that's what the Bible says, he doesn't make people Follow him. But I'll tell you what. There is power in praying parents. I can tell you right now, there's nobody outside of God who loves that kid more than a parent. And when that love is exercised in prayer to the one who's the only one in the universe who loves them more than you, there's power in that. There's power in it, so don't give up. Be persistent. This, that is where persistent prayer is needed. Jesus teaches in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For whoever asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. In this passage, Jesus assures his disciples that God welcomes prayer and urges them to come to him continuously and persistently. This is emphasized by the present progressive tense in the verbs that the passage uses and would be better, probably better read this way. 
Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For whoever persists in asking receives. And the one who continues seeking finds. And the one who persistently knocks, the door will be opened. So let me ask you this question. What could possibly, what could possibly cause a delay in your prayers? So much so that Jesus would instruct his disciples to persist in prayer. I mean, this is the God of the universe we're talking about here, right? So why is it like one for one? We are, can I just tell you right now something I've told you a billion times? We are so fast food. Now, maybe I've ever gone to a nice restaurant. Anybody ever gone to like a really nice restaurant? Like one that costs more than $15 per meal? Something like, you know, nice, like a really nice restaurant. It's like, like somebody who cares about food as much as Ignacio does, right? That was awesome, by the way, man. The more love and the more time that's put into a meal, the better it tastes. So, yeah, you can go and you can get fast food and you can enjoy it. Or you can get, every once in a while, it's nice to go to a nice restaurant. I mean, there are certain restaurants where you oh, just just step away from the sermon for a second. There are certain restaurants where you can go that are so nice that the price outweighs the quality of the food. My wife and I, she, she worked for a big company in Hartford for a while. And uh, they had this big thing where they had an account that they finished, and it was a big success. And they said, take your spouse or take your significant other out to whatever restaurant you want and we'll, on, on, the, on the company. So... We went to this really expensive, what was it, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, I think, where, like, broccoli was, like, 50 bucks. I mean, you can't, even you, Ignacio, you can't put $50 worth of love into broccoli. I mean, come on, it's broccoli. I mean, at the end of the day, it was, it was good, but it wasn't $150 good. That's what my meal cost. That was without drinks. So we were like, Whoa. But here's the, why did this, Pastor, get off you. Okay, here we go. We are so fast food that we don't even know what tastes good anymore. That's what I'm trying to say. And the, the concept is this. Sometimes God, God works on an agricultural uh, schedule. His things are in seasons, not in, not in moments. In seasons, not in moments. Okay? So we have to be able to understand that everything that we want is not going to come to us, you know, in 30 seconds and hot. So what could possibly, that goes back to the question, what could possibly delay or hinder a prayer that we pray? There's no answer or formula as to why some of our prayers go unanswered. The scriptures do provide several reasons why prayers that appear to be aligned with God's will are not immediately answered and why we need to persevere and persist in a time of prayer. Okay, first one. Persistent prayer combats Demonic opposition. Yes, I'm going there. Yes, I'm going there. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel was three-week season of praying and fasting to gain understanding from God in matters when on the 21st day, he was visited by an angel, and the angel told Daniel this. Daniel 10, 
12 through 13. Don't be afraid, Daniel, he said to him. For from the first day that you purposed to understand and to humble yourself before God, your prayer was heard. I have come because because of your prayers. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me after I had been left there with the king of Persia. This is some weird stuff. This is some weird stuff. We're talking about like battles and opposition and uh, entities outside of the realm of our own ability to see. This is Old Testament stuff. This is like a metaphor. This is like Old Testament. This is lore. This is not real. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This is New Testament stuff. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of the darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. There is a battle going on for your soul. There's a battle going on for your kids. You're like, I'm an old soul. What does he care about me for? Maybe he doesn't so much, but he does care about your grandkids. And he does care about your kids. There is a battle going on, and you're right in the thick of it, and you can't see it, and I can't see it, but it's real. People, well, angels don't exist. Demons don't exist. That's exactly what they want you to think. <laughs> the, the enemy's greatest tool is anonymity. Oh, I don't exist. That's, a, that's, that's old. That's, that's an ancient thought pattern. Well, then you're not going to be ready for it. You're not going to be ready for it. So what is the thing in our spiritual armor that combats demonic oppression? Faith. Faith. The shield of faith. Faith is this thing that says, I'm praying for this and I'm believing. I'm praying and I'm believing. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know when it's going to work out. I I don't see it yet. But I'm going to stand in faith for my grandkids. I'm going to stand in faith for my kids. I'm going to stand in faith for this situation. I'm going to stand in faith because the enemy is against me. But I am going to persevere in prayer. I'm not just going to throw up a... a, a, um, a fast food uh, takeout line prayer and say, God, where, where were you on that one? I'm going to persist. We, I think this last sermon is the one in which we as a Western church are the most deficient. You talk to some older people who used to uh, uh, be part of the, uh, the, la- the moves of the last hundred years, and they would talk about things like, Praying through, pressing in. These are the terms that they used to use. We don't talk about those anymore. The concept is this. You may need to spend more time on your knees. How important is this thing? How important is it? Is it more important than a drive-through, toss-up prayer to the man upstairs? Or is it something that you want to get down and dirty and spend some time petitioning the God of the universe? Because I'm telling you, he's got agents on his side. He might have to send Michael to make sure 
that that prayer gets through. But you can be assured, the shield of faith tells you, the moment you start praying, God heard it. Okay. I don't know. So here, these are just biblical principles around it. I don't really understand all this. Pastor, you don't understand this? No, I've never been in the spiritual realm. I don't know how, you know, are they using real swords? Are they? I, I don't know. I, I want to imagine them with real swords. That's just kind of cool. But I don't know what that looks like. I don't know where, that, where all that happens, but I do know that the scriptures talk about it, so I'm just presenting it to you. So often, the answer to uh, persistent prayer is, uh, is changing in us, okay? And so here's, here's the last, here's the second one. Persistent prayer helps us to overcome the resistance of our flesh. Okay? God does not merely override people's will to answer prayer. So I have high cholesterol. Hello, my name is David, and I have high cholesterol. <laughs> Hi, David. No, I mean, <laughs> I, mean the, the, I have high cholesterol. I could get, God, take away that cholesterol. Take it away. Just take it away, God. I could persist in that prayer. But if I don't change my diet, he's going to be like, eat a carrot stick every once in a while, Sangster. Right? It helps us. So persistent prayer points out our weakness. God does not merely override people's will to answer prayer. God rarely forces a person to do something he or she does not want to do. The kingdom of God is not ruled by a dictator. Satan is the one who manipulates and deceives people. God's nature is to influence us by drawing, inviting, and wooing us into his will. So spending persistent time in prayer will bring you more often into the proximity of this God who's wooing you and encouraging you and trying to bring you into his will. I'm going to tell you, 95% of your problems are you. Just like 95% of my problems are me. But he's gracious enough to take our prayer time and say, hey, we need to work on that. You know, yes, I care about you, I love you, but you have some responsibility here. As humans, we can resist the, the work of God. In the book of Acts, Stephen declared, Acts 7.51, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit. As your ancestors did, you do also. You can resist the work of the Holy Spirit. So persistent prayer helps us, shines a spotlight on us when it is us. Maybe it's not you at this, not everything is you. Only 5% of it is not. But if it is, if it is us, it shines a spotlight on that. And that time with God is important for that. So often the answer to our persistent prayer is changing us. So finally, the last one, Another reason why uh, we are all to be persistent in prayer is because of divine reasons. Now, Pat, you're like, Pastor, this is a, this is a cop-out. This is a blanket statement, and you are right. Sometimes our prayers are in Jesus' name, yet God's timing to answer those prayers is not yet come about. We must, must must leave room in our prayer life for the sovereignty of God. For the sovereignty of God. You may think you know the best thing for you, 
and you may be absolutely wrong. In Revelation 6, 9 through 11, it says that the souls of the martyrs ask God for justice. Justice is not a bad thing. How many people would want justice? Unless you're the one who did something wrong. Then you want grace. Ha ha, it's true. Justice for everybody else. Grace for me. I didn't mean to do it. Give me some grace. No, but justice is good that we want justice. And so... The souls of the martyrs are calling for justice to God. But God told them to wait a little longer until his purposes were fulfilled. Interesting. You would think that that would be a direct one-for-one answer. God, give us justice. You got it. There's the martyrs. They deserved it. They got killed for the faith. Give us justice. Boom, justice, right? Nope. Wait. You got to wait. I have, a, I have a greater purpose in this, and you're going to have to trust me on this one. That's the sovereignty of God. So the conclusion to this concept is this. For this week, what I want you to work on is this. Okay? Last week we told you to stop saying amen. Well, you can start saying amen again. It's okay. This week I want you to keep asking. Keep seeking and keep knocking. Continue to persevere in prayer this week for requests that have yet to be answered by God. Just keep going there. And then while you're there, while you're in that persistent moment of prayer, remember that you are in a spiritual battle. Remember and and, and see if God doesn't shine a spotlight on something in you that needs to shift. Just be open to the possibility that you're not perfect. That it's not God that needs to shift. Maybe you do. I'm not saying it always is true, but just be open to that possibility. Let God shine spotlights on things in your own life that could be better when it comes to this situation. And lastly, pray that God's will will be done. At the end of all of this, we want God's name to be glorified more than we want our situation to rectify. We want God's name to be glorified. It's not about us. Remember we talked about it. It's not about us. I remember that one passage uh, Paul's talking about. We always use this passage, but the concept, he said, he was basically bragging in his letter. He's like, I'm awesome. Like, I'm so awesome that God had to send an evil spirit to test me, to keep me humble because I'm that awesome. That's what Paul is saying. And he goes, I prayed three times for this, this infirmity, this, he calls it an infirmity, this infirmity to be taken away from me. And God said, nope, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So then Paul goes on to say this, so I boast in my weakness, in my infirmity. Why does he boast in his infirmity? Because he wants God's glory to be shown more than he wants this thing to go away. So that leaves room for the sovereignty of God. Okay? So when we find ourselves at the place where the prayers we're praying, uh, the intercession that we're moving in doesn't 
happen as quickly as we want them to. Persist. Keep a cadence of persistent prayer. Persist. Press in. If it's that important, spend the time for it. If it's not important, then, and you're just throwing up fast food, you know, drive through prayers, then don't, don't get on God's case about it. If it's important, put the time in. You'll be shocked at how many times you have to push through demonic, inter, uh, push through demonic things. You'll be surprised at how many times God's going to reveal to you that it's not a him issue, it's a you issue. And then at the end of all things, our goal has to be that God receives glory. That God receives glory. Lord, I pray that you'd help my brothers and sisters to absorb this, to allow them to meditate on these concepts as they go about their week. God, faith is the essence of things hoped for. God, I pray. It's the evidence of things unseen. So, Lord, we pray in faith, and we continue to pray. We continue to seek. We continue to knock. And our faith is not in some magical prayer or or incantation. Our faith is in the God of the Bible who has told us through his word that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he wants the best for us. That's who we're praying to. So God, I, I ask you to be with my brothers and sisters today. God, if they're discouraged because of a lack of answer of prayer, God, I pray that you would minister to their hearts and that you would show them that you'd help them not to be discouraged when for 21 days nothing happens. Because on the day 22, the angel shows up. God, I pray that you would help them to understand that sometimes your answer is no. My grace is sufficient. So Lord, we give you our prayers in the full knowledge that you are sovereign, but not only that, but you're a sovereign God who's professed his love to us. So we thank you for this gift of prayer. Help Help us to utilize it to its greatest extent and never to take it for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.